Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to Trust and Believe. You're probably wondering, Shanti, why are you so sweaty? Well, number one, I just finished working out, but being sweaty is the perfect way and greatest way for me to introduce this next episode. You're in for a treat, not only because you're going to learn so much about your emotions and your ability to achieve beyond your expectations, but this episode I've done with my father-in-law. He released a book. But instead of getting into the book, I want you really to take these lessons that he has. He has so much wisdom and inspiration, and it's kind of fueled by the education that he's gotten from school and also from being uh, a business owner in years of developing people's brains. So sit back, relax, and get ready to achieve beyond your expectations with Bill Blocker. Somebody say, oh yeah. What's up? better than Oprah. Come on, y'all. This is Sean T, and it's time to trust and believe. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Today, we're going to talk about achieving beyond expectations, and we have a really great uh, uh, presentation prepared for you, and then we're going to go to some questions a little bit later, but for those of you who don't know Bill yet, uh, I want to have him introduce himself to you and tell us a little bit about your background, and uh, for me, what's most important, not most important, but really exciting to learn about is why did you decide to write this book at, I'm not going to say your age, but the age you are. (laughs) Um, Well, first of all, I really appreciate this. I'm honored. Thank you for asking me. I wrote the book because I realized that in my professional life and before, before I graduated from college, There were a lot of people striving to be the best they could be, but they weren't being as successful as they wanted to be. Hmm. And I, when I was in high school and college, I was doing firsts. I never, I didn't know it at the time, but I was the first one in a very large family to go to college. I was the first one to graduate from college. Um, No one else had an advanced degree. I got a master's degree. Then I got a doctorate. Um, I realized that I have been achieving beyond expectations for my entire life. And I'm very blessed and thankful for it. 
And there have been many people that have contributed to my development. And I talk about those people in the acknowledgement of, of in, the, in my book. Because anybody that achieves beyond expectations, anybody that makes the impossible possible, never does it by themselves. It's always a team effort. And I have multiple stories in the book about people that have just done amazing things. Uh, and there's always a team of people around them. It's never a solo act. So I spent a lot of professional time working with school districts that were failing. And we took them from failing school districts to high achieving schools in 18 months to three years. My doctorate is in organizational leadership, organizational development and leadership. And so from the time I started my, my doctoral program, I studied high performance people. What made them tick, how they work. I studied high performing organizations, what ticked, what made them work, what didn't work. So I just decided that I would take all of this information that I've been literally using for years and know it works, know it's research-based, and put it into this book. So that's how it all came about. Bill is going to take us on a journey. So what we did here today is, you know, after I was able to get go through the book, I had a bunch of questions. And the questions really came from times in my life where I struggled and even in the present day, things that I personally... Um, you know, kind of struggle with, or I just wanted to know more about. And I know that all of you out there have, have either asked questions like this of me in the past and or, you know, just I've read some of your posts and I know what you're going through. And, you know, for those of you who obviously are in the safe space and who maybe listen to my podcast or have come to my events or the Transformation Center, you know, reading books and, and surrounding myself with people who are smarter than me is, is one of the greatest gifts. And Bill said something really interesting earlier, which is you don't do it alone. People see Sean T, but there's no way I could do it all alone. And a lot of you know Team Sean T, and it, and it also runs deeper. So I think that's really important to say uh, at the start of this, just because a lot of what you're going to hear from questions that I had, and then at the end, we'll be able to go to you and get some more specific questions. The title of the book is uh, Achieve Beyond Expectations. And the title of chapter one is Execute Transcends Talent. And as an athlete or growing up as an athlete, it was always, they would always praise the person who was more talented, who was more talented. And to be quite honest, and I've never told anybody this, but the reason why I didn't continue to play football is because it was like, oh, this person gets to be a running back. This person gets to be a running back. And then when I quit playing football, I was like very disappointed in myself because I started playing basketball. And the first year I played basketball, I only scored four points in the entire season, y'all. Four points. That's two baskets and it was a layup. It wasn't even a three-point shot. But, you know, and, and, I, and I was going to quit. I was going to be like, I'm never playing basketball again. But the last game is when I scored those – the last game of the season one is when I scored both of those baskets. And I felt so good. So I was like, I'm playing again. The next year, the average, my average points per game were 26 points a game. Wow. And I, and I became the point guard, and it was crazy. They gave me one, one shot in the first game of the second season. I had, like, five minutes to play. I scored, like, ten points. And, and the coach was like, 
And then I started the next game, and, like, I never got below 22 points in a game. We've got our own Stephen Curry right here. No, no, no. But I didn't keep on playing football. I went to track and field. But, you know, I always, I was always like, no. Like, I actually – I think I'm athletic, obviously. But I was like, you can be talented, but you have to work on your talent. So, you know, one of my questions is, what should I do if I'm stuck on wanting to be talented and can't find the consistency in my execution? Okay. I spent – I played – sports in high school and college. I coached in high school and college. And one of the things that you learn in athletics is that it's not always the most talented players that are good. It is the people that do the things to maximize their talent that are the ones that are good. Mm. The same thing is true. Both of my sons, Kevin and Scott, you know Scott, don't you? I think I know okay. a bit. Um, They were outstanding high school athletes and outstanding college athletes. And Scott went on to play professional soccer for six years. Uh, they'll tell you the same thing. Uh, Kevin, my older son, coached at the college level. He's a, a select soccer coach now, a, a licensed coach for U.S. Soccer Association. Every coach will tell you that execution transcends talent. There's all kinds of talented people out there who do not perform well. They're mediocre at best. So what makes the difference? Here's what makes the difference. First of all, you've got to have a goal. Now, you all know that. Everybody drives in. You've got to have a goal. The goal has got to be very specific. It's got to be uh, a lot of positive emotion attached. I'm not going to go into that. To accomplish your goal, you have to have talent. Now, when I use the word talent, I'm talking about the knowledge, the skills, the tactics that you use to accomplish your goal. And this is right where most people stop. They say, I've got to find out all I can about this uh, about losing weight. I've got to find out all I can and develop the skills so I can be a better violinist. I've got to find out what I do so I can get into med school. So the knowledge, skills, and tactics. Some of them are successful and some of them aren't. Why? Because they don't pay attention to the five intangibles that control all of behavior. There are five intangibles that control every single thing that you do. The first one is self-awareness. Your internal and external self-awareness. What do you know about yourself? How do you respond in relation to other people? Now, self-awareness is the most important of the five because without self-awareness, you can't monitor and adjust. You can't look at a situation and say, what's making it work? Why isn't it working? How do I, how do I adjust if it's not working? So self-awareness is at the top of this circle. It's the most important. It is the key. It triggers everything else. Next comes emotional control. Emotions is the most powerful of the five intangibles. It will control your behavior and totally dominate you if you let it. No one, let me repeat, no one that I studied that was a high achiever ever let their emotions control them. We'll get more into that later on. Next comes habits. Habits are the automatic behaviors that make you efficient. Your brain makes you habitual. 
We'll talk more about that. Habits control somewhere between 40 and 75% of all human behavior every single day. Then comes expectations. There's three types of expectations. Expectations you have of yourself, expectations others have of you, and expectations you have of others. The question you have to answer is, whose expectations are controlling you? You'd be shocked to find out that most of you have expectations of others controlling you. Mm. People that achieve beyond expectations, people that execute and are very talented, their expectations are controlling their own expectations. I think that, you know, even if we just talk about something simple that I think everyone here kind of experiences is just something as simple as like fitness, you know, and Chip and I were talking about it this morning because I said to Chip, I was having a conversation with Chip and Elliot on Zoom and I had to take off my shirt because I had to see what what size my shirt was. And I was like, ugh. And I told them, because I'm just like very, you know, straight up. I was like, I did not want to take off my shirt off because I feel fat. And I was like, if I told other people that I feel fat, they would want to smack me in my face, right? That's what I was thinking. Right? But the craziest thing was, I actually went in my head, and right before I had the call with Chip, or my team call, because it was before that, I was scrolling through Instagram and I saw these like 25 year old guys who like pretty much all they do is work out all day. Like I used to, and they were like so ripped. And then my brain went back to 50 pounds overweight me. Mm. And I was nervous to take off my shirt in front of two people who know me very well, who have seen me, whatever. And it wasn't because of me. It was because of someone else. Like I was like, what is their expectation of me going to be? And, you know, it just, we kind of talk through it, but it just, just okay. that. But here's a very important point. Mm-hmm. What's at the top of that circle? Self-awareness. Self-awareness. Your self-awareness, you became aware of that. You had negative reactions, negative feelings. Bang, that triggered your thinking. Which is the emotion. And we're going, that's yeah. right. And we're going to talk more about why that's so important. Okay. So we've got expectations. Now we got self-efficacy. Now, gang, I'll tell you. That's a big $50 word, and it means that you have the confidence in yourself to take on and complete whatever task you want to, and you can develop it. And we're going to talk a little bit about how you do that. Now, the five intangibles are going around this circle. The thing that you have to understand is that these five intangibles are continually interacting with each other and interacting with you, the goal, your knowledge, the skills, the tactics. And I want to give you an example. Oh, by the way, you see the number three down in the right-hand corner, little blue three? They can see it. Don't worry about it. I know it's there. I put that there to remind me of something. In the book, I tell people that there's no such thing as a quick fix. All the stories that I tell you in the book It took people literally years to achieve beyond expectations. It is a total involvement of all your energy and thinking. And you'll see some people focus on those things and be very successful, but they don't have a very balanced life. They're totally dominated by their goal and being the best they can be. And they might not have significant others or they might not have a good family relationship or whatever. The three is down in the corner because what I learned in studying all of these high performing people 
the ones that were really the best at it, the ones that were the most successful, always had three points of concern or interest. One was the goal for their achievement. Another was a relationship with a significant other. And a third was with family. Now, I can't emphasize that enough. We do not live in isolation. And you can be the highest achieving athlete, musician, artist, whatever, and you're not going to be happy because you don't have those other three. Think about the old three-legged milking stools. Now, some of you don't have any clue what I'm talking about, but a stool with three legs. If you only have one leg, can you use it very well? No, it's got to have three. So you've got to have your driving force. You've got to have the force that is your goal in life. But then you've got to have the other two for support because you can't make the goal in life without other people. So that's why that three is down in the corner. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am, but Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Now, I want to share with you somebody that did this. This is General Benjamin O. Davis. Many of you probably know who he is. He was the fourth black to ever be appointed to the United States Military Academy, and his appointment was in 1932. At the time, he was the only black at West Point. He was discriminated against. He was shunned. He was given the silent treatment. He had no roommate. He ate meals by himself. He was considered the invisible man, even though he was there. Now, if you know about any of the military academies, the first year is called the plebe year, and it's very tough. They purposely, it's like pledging a fraternity or sorority. They make it as difficult on you as, you, as they can. General Davis had four years of that, not just one year. In 1936, when he graduated, he graduated with the highest respect from his classmates because they put a dedication to him in the yearbook. They were amazed at how well he did. He was one of five people to complete the Tuskegee Institute's pilot training, the Red Tails, that were so famous in World War II. He flew 60 combat missions. He was the first black general officer in the Air Force. Now think about that. Did he achieve beyond expectations multiple times? Just by getting into West Point, then getting through West Point, then going through the pilot training. He used all of this. Execution transcends talent. You must implement the five intangibles if you're going to make the impossible possible. It's the only way it can happen. In chapter two, you spend a lot of time on self-awareness like we just talked about. And it's actually something I focus a lot 
on. You know, I focus a lot on self-awareness. I think that's what helps drive me to be successful in my relationships with my kids, with my in-laws, with my employees, with my business partners. Um, I just like to always be very self-aware. But according to you, it it enhances, you know, my power. But a lot of listeners are affected by people who aren't self-aware, right? Like I can be really, really self-aware, but you can be on a team of people or like that one person that's just like not self-aware and they just bring you down. So how can your self-awareness be used to respond to other people's disregard for your feelings or your emotions? I mean, even a lot of people live with people like the husband or wife comes home and they just, they're so unaware of their effect on you because of their particular mood. It brings you down, even if you have a high level of self-awareness. So how can you um, respond to that? Okay. First of all, I want to say that a basic theme throughout the book is that you can take control of your life. You don't have to be a victim. You don't have to be manipulated by other people. You can be in control. And the entire book talks about how you can control situations learn to control situations, or at the very least, learn to control your reaction to a situation. So if you want to control situations or if you want to control your reaction to a situation, you must be self-aware. And there is internal self-awareness and external self-awareness. And just a, a few minutes ago, when you were talking about taking off your shirt, it was an example of internal self-awareness internal keys. There's two keys that we're going to focus on in this podcast. The first one is negative emotions. Whenever you feel negative emotions, that should be a trigger to you. It should be waving a red flag that says, "Uh uh-oh, something's going on. Pay attention. Pay attention. The other internal one is your self-talk. What you say to yourself. If you have negative self-talk, that's telling yourself, pay attention to me. Pay attention to me. I need help. We've got to work things through. So really what the negative emotions are, whenever you feel them, the negative self-talk, it's waving a big red flag that says, wake up, pay attention. You've got to monitor and adjust to whatever's going on. That's why that monitor and adjust was in that circle. How do you think Benjamin Davis got through four years of total discrimination. He had to continually monitor and adjust. He had to control his emotions. He had to control his habits. He had to control expectations. Now, the external part, the external keys, you must uh, pay attention to your focus and your perception of things, and you must pay attention to how others respond to you. Your focus and perception trigger your response to others' behavior. Now, here's what happens. You have expectations of people. Those expectations affect your perception. Mm. Your perception causes you to focus on things. You get what you look for. A doctor dealing with a patient thinks that her perception is that this is an indicator that it is problem XYZ. So she focuses on that and looks until she finds it when it may not be the case. A police officer thinks you're guilty. This is a very hot topic nationwide right now, right? you're, You're guilty. So they look for things to prove it. A teacher 
I can tell you firsthand, I, I, would, I worked with school districts. A kid who was a royal problem of pain in the behind in one teacher's classroom in high school, the very next class period, he goes from one class to another, literally across the hall, and he's an outstanding student. Why? Well, when we interview the teacher where he's a problem, the teacher will tell you, the kid's a royal pain in the ass. He never gets his homework done. He never contributes. He gives me lip. He rolls his eyes, blah, blah, blah. The teacher where he's performing well says, oh, my God, this kid helps other kids. He's so bright. He's so alert. He'll do anything for me. Follow the graph across. Your expectations of people impact your perception, which causes you to focus on what you want to see. Can I say something? Go. I think this is like, you know, we obviously the example is of someone else. Um, But I think like for me, when I deal with my moments of anxiety, the same thing happens. And I get like, we're going to get there. We'll get there. But I'm just saying like, that's how I think about it. Like when I think I'm like, you find what you look for. I won't go too far. You do it internally. Right. You did this. This applies. You do this to yourself, your expectations of yourself. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. Okay, perfect. Okay. So we judge ourselves by our intentions, folks. We judge others by their behavior. Why is that? Why do, I, why do we judge ourselves by our intentions and others by our behavior? I'm tying it directly into, expect, into expectations, perception, focus. You did something and somebody gets upset with you. It makes no difference who it was, why. They get upset with you. And you respond, why? Well, my intention was, what I was trying to do was, and it always is a good thing, okay? But we judge others by their behavior. You say, I don't like what you did and you get upset with them. Now, I was an elementary school principal. I had to deal with kids with fights. This applies right here. I would have two kids in my office because they were in a fight. I would say to one, Jonathan, you hit Carlos. What was your reason? What was your intention for hitting Carlos? And Jonathan says, because he was teasing me. He told me my mother was a hoe. Make sense? Okay. He's protecting, Jonathan is protecting his reputation, his image, his mother. He used behavior that we did not approve of. He punched Carlos. Okay. But did, did he have good intentions to protect the reputation of his family? Absolutely. We didn't like the behavior he used. Right. Okay? Now, Carlos is equally to blame. We won't get into that. What we have to do is we have to judge others by their intentions, not their behavior. We constantly interpret people as they're out to get me. When they may be, but likely they're trying to do the good thing. What we know is 95% of the time people are trying to do good. They really are. And if you're dealing with your family, if you're dealing with significant others, if you're dealing with people at work, give them the benefit of a doubt. Don't jump on them by their behavior. Ask them, find out. What is it that you were trying to accomplish when you did this? Now, when we had to turn around schools, we, had been, we would go to schools that were totally and absolutely dysfunctional. And they, the, the whole climate and the culture of the schools was terrible. 
Mm-hmm. We had to get people to feel like we weren't picking on them. And we had to stop judging them. And we st- had to stop start asking them, help me understand what we're you trying to accomplish. Then we can reinforce. People are trying to do a good job. Well, Mrs. Jones, that's a really good thing to try to accomplish. Let's look at some alternative strategies. We do that with Sander and Silas right now. Mm-hmm. They're going through their tantrums. And Sander this morning, I did, dealt with it a couple times. He's trying to stuff this, this dump truck with all his stuffed animals. And he gets upset because they fall out. And I keep saying, Sander, you've got good intentions. You're trying to get all the stuffed animals into the dump truck. But is your crying helping right now? Are you getting all bent out of shape? Is that making things work? No, no. Okay, let's <laughs> calm down. We've got to think. We've got to think, Sander. How can we get more stuffed animals into this dump truck? Crying isn't going to get them in. So we talk about alternative strategies. So just wrap up. Self-awareness. If you are feeling uncomfortable about the way somebody is treating you, one thing you've got to do is check their intentions. Next thing you've got to do is check, why am I feeling this way? It's monitoring and adjusting. You might have to have a long, hard discussion with yourself about why you're so sensitive about this. Okay? You all know. If you're on top of your game, if you're feeling healthy and good, somebody can say something and it doesn't bother you. If you're feeling tired, if you're feeling sick, somebody could say exactly the same thing and you get all bent out of shape. Or hungry. There you go. <laughs> That's a daily thing, feeling hungry. So, so you, that, remember the red flag thing? Negative emotion, negative self-talk is the trigger. You've got to pay attention to that and monitor and adjust. You, around the house, we could be in the car, whenever, even when we've had family issues where we had to, you know, discuss things, you know, you always talk about avoiding emotion, commotion, which was the toughest thing for me to overcome because of my sexual abuse. You know, before therapy, I actually enjoyed being in the negative emotion. Like, I actually, like, it felt very comfortable for me. Um, because I felt like if I avoided that feeling, then they would never go away. You know, I feel like if I didn't attach that feeling, then it's like sitting there and I would never deal with it. So how can someone like me, or I would say my past me, especially going through something like that, avoid emotion commotion, but not let the negative effects of it linger. And, and just to go a little further is like, because it was, you know, if I'm crying, <laughs> me and Scott talk about this a lot. If I'm crying, I hate when people tell me not to cry. They say, don't cry. I'm like, yeah, but like, this is how I'm, this is exactly how I'm feeling. So you telling me to stop crying and I try to do that with our kids. I'm, I'm always like, you know, you're allowed to cry. But like you said earlier, that's it's not really going to get you anywhere. So that's kind of like, and I'm sure other people kind of have that same mindset or struggle. Okay. First of all, a lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Everything I studied in relation to human performance, it's been thousands and thousands of research studies. Mm Mm-hmm. The hundred people I looked at in writing this book, no one, absolutely no one ever accomplished anything significant in their life, no matter the trauma they were experiencing, if they were in a negative state of mind. Mm -hmm. It is absolutely impossible. And we're going to tell you why. Here's your brain. Your brain is hardwired for protection and survival. There's three parts that we're going to talk about. There's many parts of the brain. I'm going to keep this very simple because we don't need to get into a lot of detail. You see in the stem of the brain, stem portion of the brain, the reticular activating system. That is the autopilot of your brain. All your senses go through there and it sends stuff out to the rest of the brain and causes you to react without you even knowing it. You can reach your hand out and touch something that's hot and before you feel the hot sensation, you've pulled your hand away. That's your reticular activating system working. Next, on the right-hand side, it says limbic system, emotions. The, The line is going to a little dot. That is not the limbic system. It's the entire center part of the brain that's the limbic system. It's just that the line happens to stop at that dot. The limbic system controls your emotions. The reticular activating system and the limbic system work together to cause you to survive life and death situations. But the other thing is, it doesn't know the difference between life and death situations and just emotional stress and strain. Mm. And it, te- it treats emotional stress and strain exactly the way it treats physical survival. And that's important to understand. The top part of your brain deals with logic and thinking. And I've got a, a, a thing there, frontal lobe, that's in your forehead. Now, the frontal lobe is the slowest part of the brain to develop, and it doesn't fully develop until you're 30 years of age, plus or minus about three years. So between 27 and 33, the frontal lobe is fully developed. Your frontal lobe has the ability to control the limbic system and the reticular activating system if you train your brain to do it. People that have extraordinary performance over and over again, people that achieve beyond expectations, people who make the impossible possible on a regular basis have done that. Now, you can experience tremendous trauma in your life. You were sexually abused. Mm -hmm. You made this happen to get out of the sexually abused situation. I'm not in any way minimizing the negative emotions that you had. We're going to talk about those negative emotions and what you have to deal with them. You just don't have to dwell on mm-hmm. it. So here's the, the brain, and here's the response to perceived threat. Now, this is an entire chart. You're going to see the whole thing. The first three boxes are what the brain does. It's hardwired to do it, and you can't control it. It does it automatically. It perceives a threat. The threat can be a physical threat. It can be an emotional threat. If you can feel challenged, it can be anything. It causes the limbic system 
to release hormones, to get your blood pressure up, to get the blood racing faster, your heart pumping faster, that triggers box C, a physical emotional reaction. You experience that when you got run into with the boat on the jet ski. You had that reaction, okay, afterwards. That's the awareness. When people say something to you that triggers your anger, today with the shirt, okay, that was box C. You had a physical and emotional reaction. That's that self-talk and red flag of emotions, Mm -hmm. okay? Now, here's the rest of the graph. You see the red lines at the top, trigger one, trigger two. You have no control over that. That happens automatically. You're hardwired to do that. No control. Box C is, is the trigger and you see it's a green dotted line going down to box D, it triggers. When you experience that with taking your shirt off today, you had the negative self-talk and the negative feelings, that should be alerting your frontal lobe, pay attention, pay attention, take charge. I've got to decide what I'm gonna do. I am not, I, I want to be in control here, I don't want my emotion commotion to take over. So you use your frontal lobe to cause E to happen, a restrained response. Your emotional response is restrained, your verbal response, your physical response. You interviewed in your, in the, uh, back in August when we did that program, the one woman that you interviewed, a guy held a gun to her head. Think about this. The guy was holding a gun to her head. She was in ABC. She was having that physical and emotional response. She jumped to D. She knew she had to take control. She couldn't get all bent out of shape because she had to figure a way out of this. So her frontal lobe, even though the gun was literally to her head, her frontal lobe took over. She controlled her emotions. She controlled the limbic system. And she talked the guy out of it. So that was box E and box F. She talked. He started to respond. She monitored it and adjusted. She said a little more. She saw she was making progress. Saw a little more. Finally, she got the result. He backed off, took the gun away from her head, and got the gun away. Okay? That's a very traumatic situation. Mm-hmm. Her frontal lobes took charge. In the book, you hear example after example of that kind of significant events. Yeah. What thoughts do you have? Well, you know, the event of me taking off my shirt wasn't super significant in terms of that, but I can tell, I can share what I did. So, I, you know, I, I had a conversation right away with Chip and Elliot because I was just like, there's something about me, I, I can't feel authentic if I'm talking to someone and I'm in a different headspace and I'm, you know, so I wanted to share my thoughts just to be like, Hey, this is what I'm going through. Plus they're friends. So they would accept it. And then once I, we've, we talked through it, but then once I got off the phone, I did two things. I worked out in front of my phone. Like I, I didn't record it. It was in the video form, but when I did my workout, because I was just like, you gotta, you kind of have to get out of this. Like you have to get out of this space. And I was like, you know, Sean T at, that was 50 pounds overweight, couldn't do this at the moment. You know, like I was just like going with that. And then, you know, I went to take a shower and, you know, everyone knows I have mere moments. And, you know, I'll just say, I came out of the shower and you were here. I was still in my towel when you showed Mm -hmm. up. But, you know, I just was like, I just 
went to the positive self-talk instead of like staying in the negative space and it worked. And then I didn't think about it. You've got to have a goal. The woman with the gun in their head had a goal. I have to work through it to accomplish my goal. I've got to control my, my, use my frontal lobe to control things. You had a goal. You Mm -hmm. had to get out of your, your funk. Okay. So one of the things you have to be aware of is that habits have a way of controlling you in box D and E. Habits control 40 to 75% of all behavior. You don't even know what's happening. I don't have time today to get into how they do it, but you've got to be aware that that can happen. Now, you are in control. How will you respond? If you respond in a positive way or will you respond in a negative way? If you respond to a situation in a positive way, no matter how bad it is, it allows you to be a creative problem solver and it allows you to accomplish your goal. If you respond in a negative way, paralysis sets in. Your brain literally paralyzes your ability to think. It says, we've got to survive, we've got to survive, we've got to protect, we've got to protect the ego. So it creates all kinds of things that you do to strike back to protect your ego, and as a result, you are losing control. When you let negative emotion take over, you are actually losing control. You're creating a form of paralysis, both physical and mental and emotional. You get caught up in this whirlwind, this Mm -hmm. tornado, and you fail. Now, I'm going to monitor and adjust. You see Tetany up here. I'm not going to tell you about Tetany right now. Uh, because we don't have time. And Tetnia's story is similar to the, not similar to, but has the same emotional hook as the one with the woman to the gun to her head. Okay. So we're going to use the woman to the gun to her head. She had a goal. Now, this gets right to your question about uh, the, the feelings, negative effects on your emotions and don't let them linger. You have to be aware of those emotions. Being aware of them is the only way you can react to them, control them, do anything with them. Number two, you not only have to be aware, but you have to acknowledge. You have to say, yes, these are real. It's okay for me to have this feeling. It's not bad. Anybody that experiences would logically have this reaction. That's okay. You accept it. It doesn't make me a bad person. I'm okay. It's all right to feel this way. Mm-hmm. All right? Those are all legitimate. Now comes the key. Analyze why it happened. Analyze how you reacted. Analyze what you can do differently so you don't get caught in the same situation again. What do you have to do in relation to events leading up to it? Maybe you have to be more aware of things leading up to it. Maybe you have to have different expectations going in. Maybe you have to uh, develop some new skills. You're analyzing the situation, and then you have to apply what you learned. Now, this application starts small. It doesn't have to be perfect. You're, you're going in incremental steps. You, you're not going to uh, completely solve big problems in one fell swoop. If a problem has taken 10 years to develop, guess what? 
you're not going to get it solved in a day or two. It's going to take multiple days. All the examples in this book, it took years for people to resolve their issues, whether they're, they're relationship issues or physical issues or whatever. And then the next word that you can't see is accelerate. Mm. It means get the hell out of there. Move on. <laughs> in other words, we don't want to dwell on the negatives. Dwelling on the negatives just causes you to repeat the same behavior. If you continue to do what you did, you're going to get more of what you've got. Is that what you want? If the answer is yes, keep doing it. You talked about you enjoyed the negative emotions. Okay? For a while. But then you realized I didn't want to do it. Yeah, in my book, I talk about just the hamster wheel, which is an right? example people use all the time. It's like, this is getting boring. Like, I have to change locations. That's right. You know. That's right. So the, all these A's are all in relation to the goal that you want to accomplish. Understand. Be aware of the negative things. Acknowledge them. Accept them. They are okay. They are all right. They are telling you you've got to pay attention to something. Analyze it. Apply what you think can be done to make it better. You're going to have some missteps. You're going to have some successes. That's great. Then move on. Accelerate. Get out of Dodge. Go on. 